Hey, welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton, and this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. We've got a cool conversation coming up. That's if you're a nerd like me and you just dig monetary policy and economics, but we go deep into it with Steve Ambler. He is an economics professor at the University of Quebec at Montreal. He's also the David Dodge Chair in Monetary Policy at the C.D. Howe Institute. New report out from the think tank that actually examines how demographics are reshaping the way that inflation works in Canada. Very fascinating insights. Essentially, it boils down to our aging population and the way that we spend and save money now. So join us. This is going to be Steve coming up right now. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. We are the daily business news program from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. The Bank of Canada, it's been in a bit of a pickle the past decade as the country has faced rather muted inflation. These traditional levers that we've relied on, they've not really boosted inflation the way that many would expect. So could it be that it has something to do with our own demographics? Our next guest has co-authored a study examining this dilemma, and joining us today is Steve Amler. He's an economics professor at the University of Quebec at Montreal. He's also the David Dodge Chair in Monetary Policy at C.D. Howe Institute. Steve, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks very much. Good to be with you. So I I want to dive into this new report that you've uh, co-authored here, but I I do wonder if maybe we need, and myself especially here, but maybe a bit of a history lesson with regards to central banks and the way that they engage with inflation targeting. This hasn't always been the case. Can you tell us a little bit about what we've been doing over the last few decades with regards to central banks getting involved with inflation targeting? Okay, uh, yes, very briefly. Um, I mean, during the 70s, as, as you know, well, Canada had a bit of a, a bout with high inflation. The Bank of Canada tried to get it under control in the 80s by restricting the growth of the money supply, uh, but it turned out not to be a very effective instrument. There was uh, The relationship between money and inflation was not, uh, at least in the very short run, was a bit unstable. So um, New Zealand was actually the first country to move officially to inflation targeting in, 19, in early, the early 90s. Canada was actually the second country in the world. So we've had inflation targeting since 1991. And basically the Bank of Canada moves its overnight rate target to try to affect uh, demand and then affect uh, inflation more, much more directly. And on the whole, at least until the financial crisis, it was remarkably successful. I mean, between 1996 and 2007, um, 1996 is when the target was set at 2%. And between then and the, the financial crisis, the average inflation rate in Canada was pretty much exactly spot on 2%. And it's been an interesting decade, though, because we had three rate hikes last year. And before that, it was very much a, a bit of a, a muted period for Canadian uh, rate hikes and a movement of monetary policy. And we had rates go to levels like uh, very, very low. What has this done with regards to, I guess, monetary policy in Canada? And uh, maybe after that, we, we can dive a little bit into what you guys are positing here in this new report. Sure, yes. In fact, since the financial crisis, I mean, inflation went back up in 2010 and 11. I think it was above 2% in 2012 briefly. But since then, I mean, from 2007 until now, it's actually averaged one and a half. 
which is within, I mean, the Bank of Canada actually has a target of 2%, but a, a target bandwidth between 1 and 3. So it's mostly been within the band, but it's been consistently under 2% for most of the time since, uh, since the financial crisis. And we've been using kind of those traditional levers or, or what we've been, you know, doing with uh, targeting inflation. But I guess persistently, we, we just haven't been able to move inflation in the direction that we want. You guys posit here in this uh, new report from the CDL Institute that it could actually be kind of tied to our demographics, specifically how we're aging as a population. Tell me a little bit about what you guys suspect is going on here. Sure. Um, I mean, basically, the way the way things work is the Bank of Canada adjusts its interest rate, which is a short-term interest rate, which affects longer-term rates, and that in turn is supposed to affect spending. And uh, by affecting uh, demand and spending relative to potential output, that affects the the firm the prices that firms set set uh, for their for their goods, and that affects the inflation rate. Now, obviously, um, a change in the interest rate is going to have different effects on households depending on their uh, all sorts of factors, but one of the crucial factors is their level of indebtedness. Um, with changing demographics in Canada, I mean, we're shifting to an older population, um, so people are more at the stage in their life cycle where they've paid off a lot of their debts and they're getting ready for retirement and uh, all other things being equal, a change in interest rates doesn't affect them as much. So, you know, with with larger, older cohorts and smaller, younger cohorts, a given change in the Bank of Canada's policy rate has less of an impact on spending. And there's another, I, th- I think, another strong reason for this. I think a lot of people, I'm in that category myself, getting close to retirement. Um, my portfolio is sort of switching towards fixed uh, fixed income ac- assets. And if you have a, a target for the monthly income you want to have uh, your assets generate, uh, a, a reduction in, in interest rates by the bank will mean all other things being equal. Typically, you'll be getting less per month. So rather than actually it being uh, an incentive to spend more uh, for people in that category, sometimes it's actually a, a, an incentive to save more to make up for the, the lost income. You know, I was talking to another reporter about a, a year ago, and, and she was asking me, you know, she, she doesn't specialize in, say, uh, business or anything like that. And she, she was making the point, well, I, I don't really want inflation, you know, like I, I don't want prices going up. But the, the point is, we do have a targeted rate of 2%. It, it, if we can encourage spending, it actually is good for the economy here. So is it problematic if we have these persistently low rates? And, and there's actually kind of, I guess, to a certain degree, incentives for this aging population to not be going out and you know spending more money because they are saving. Yeah, I mean, in, in everything I've set up until now, I've more or less been taking the two percent target as a given. Uh, but there are, I think, some pretty good reasons for why the bank sets a target of two percent rather than something lower. Um, most notably, is uh, to avoid uh, the dangers of getting back into the same kind of situation we were in in 2008 and 9, when the the bank hit its lower bound in terms of its interest rate. So, if you have a, a negative economic shock, you want to have some cushion. You want to have a you want to start off with an interest rate that's a little bit higher, so you have more room to cut before you get to that zero lower bound. Uh, once you're there, then uh, what's thought of as conventional monetary policy has much less uh, less of a kick. So I, I talked about the fact that a given reduction of interest rates has less of an effect now. 
But if you can't reduce your interest rates anymore, then you have to fall back on what are called unconventional monetary policies. Well, were the rate hikes, or at least maybe one of them, kind of the Bank of Canada wanting to be able to have more leeway if we do get another sort of, like not necessarily another oil shock, but an unexpected economic event that would happen. They want to have, I, I guess, more room in order to use some of these tools and mechanisms at their disposal. Oh, exactly. Precisely. And also, um, I mean, I think that well, the latest GDP numbers just came in, I think, today, and they're a bit uh, softer than people were expecting. But uh, StatsCan announced the latest inflation numbers last fly- Friday, and headline inflation has moved above uh, 2%. The last number was 2.2. So we're actually in the zone where we're pretty close to full employment, and we're pretty much at the target or slightly above. So the the bank is kind of wanting to move to what is generally called a neutral interest rate, which is kind of cruising speed for the for its interest rate. And people think that that these days is hovering somewhere around two and a half to three percent, which is actually lower than it was before the financial crisis. But still, I mean, it, once once you get up there, you have much more room to cut if something bad happens. I'm also wondering, though, I'm thinking about like other developed countries, and do we know if they are facing, I guess, persistent inflation kind of uh, dilemmas much the same way Canada is? Maybe I'll just throw this out there. I'm not sure if this is accurate, but I I think of a country like Japan, where you have low birth rates, you have low immigration, you have a rapidly aging population. I wonder if other developed countries, you know, are, are facing similar issues with regards to inflation as well as Canada. I think they are. And in fact, I mean, you put your finger on the, the most extreme example of this, especially in terms of demographics, is, is Japan. I think they have the, the oldest population of any developed economy or any economy in the world at this point. So um, what our analysis says is happening in the Canadian case has got to be affecting them even more. And uh, as we know, I mean, they've been suffering through bouts of uh, low inflation and low demand since uh, since the turn of the millennium, basically. They've, they've failed to get it. They, they have an inflation target of 2% as well, and they've failed to reach their target for decades now. So I, I do wonder, you know, we're bringing up a lot of the issues that are going on here, and I do wonder if there are any ways that we can address what's going on in Canada. I, I mean, are there... I guess, traditional mechanisms that we would have to kind of fine-tune to a certain degree, or do we have to kind of rethink how we approach inflation? Uh, or just I, I just wonder if maybe the economic context of the country has changed quite a bit since 1991. Uh, it certainly has. And I mean, our bottom line is that uh, overall, the, you know, the inflation targeting experience, experience in Canada has been a remarkable success. But it's starting to show some signs of, you know, there's a few things that are going wrong. We're not at the point yet where we want to throw out the entire framework. Um, But if, you know, if demographics continues to have more and more of a breaking impact on the effectiveness of Canada's monetary policy, then sooner or later the bank may have to actually rethink the monetary framework and go to something, there's all sorts of other monetary frameworks that have been proposed. Uh, These are all theoretical because they haven't really been actually implemented by central banks, but things like uh, price level targeting, targeting a path for the growth of nominal GDP, and there's a few other ones out there, but as I say, most most of them have been analyzed in a theoretical context, but there's very little empirical evidence on how successful they might be. 
Hey, we'll be back with Steve Ambler in just a moment. But for now, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, Give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600 at 604-714-3600 or else check them out on their website at manningelliott.ca. And yes, we'll continue our conversation with Steve Ambler right now. I'll throw this out to you. I, I, it's not really a, a solution or, or an idea that I've got, but I, I just want to pick your brain about this because uh, we were speaking a, uh, not too long ago, a few years back, about the possibility of, say, negative inflation rates. We, we were hearing about other countries uh, perhaps experimenting with that. O- overall, what do you make of that as a way to spur growth within an economy? Uh, I think perhaps you mean negative interest rates. Uh, I mean, inflation did drop briefly below zero in Canada during the the, the trough of the financial crisis. But uh, one way of actually, and, and in fact, there are central banks that have started experimenting with that, you know, as a means to boosting demand and inflation. Um, they, during the financial crisis, the Bank of Canada thought that uh, 25 basis points was pretty much as low as it could go. And it's you know very strange things would start to happen to the financial system if they tried to go lower. There are central banks now, like the Bank of Sweden, um, even the ECB, European Central Bank, and uh, the Swiss National Bank that have have gone into negative territory with their with their interest rates. What that basically means is that. Uh, Chartered banks are commercial banks that hold reserves with the central bank. They're actually being they're they're being penalized for doing so. So the the idea is that they want the money rather than sitting at the central bank. They want to encourage the banks to take the cash and basically lend it out and you know pump it into the economy. And uh, Steve, uh, I, okay. I, uh, I I got I got halfway through my sentence and I realized that I had actually messed up what I meant to say. I, I was referring to uh, overnight rates. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, so that's so. This is exactly what the Bank of Sweden and the Swiss yeah. National Bank have been doing. The Bank of Canada has actually published a couple of uh, a couple of research documents where they say that they're entertaining the possibility. So, you know, so they're, it's, yeah. it's there. It's in their minds. We haven't got there yet, but uh, it's if something uh, something nasty were to happen, like a big, a big housing crash, for example, the Bank of Canada sounds as if they're willing to go there. Well, okay. <laughs> On that note, though, because you had mentioned earlier that we didn't necessarily want to be in the same position that we were, you know, ten years ago, uh, you know, on the eve of this financial crisis. Uh, that was brought on very different things going on in the United States, real estate markets, uh, of course, and what's going on in, say, hot markets like Vancouver and Toronto. But a lot of people point to the fact that we do have very low rates, uh, overnight rates uh, at this moment, low uh, uh, interest rates going on across the country. And that is actually spurring a lot of the uh, growth in the real estate sector, of course. But it also makes people worry that, I don't know whether we're going to have a soft landing or what have you, but there could be some big changes afoot for the real estate industry. Is that a a persistent concern of the Bank of Canada right now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're balancing, uh, you know, they have their, their, the inflation target that they want to hit and uh, they have their macroeconomic analysis that tells them how they're going to do that. But they're, for, for quite a while now, they've been exercising a great deal of caution because they don't want to boost interest rates too far, too fast. 
precisely because of the potential fragility of, uh, of Canadian housing markets, particularly in Vancouver and Toronto. Uh, I mean, it's interesting, you know, there was all, with the new uh, mortgage regulations that came into effect in January, uh, we are, and the bank as well, is sort of sorting out what the impact of those have been. I mean, it looks, it seems as if people might, may have actually um, tried to shift their spending and are trying tried to try and get mortgages uh, before the end of last year, before the new rules went into effect. So it actually may have had a, 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 the effect of actually boosting demand in housing markets. But now the effect of, you know, it seems as if some of that demand is coming off. So uh, the bank uh, is certainly uh, looking very closely at the, the impact of every little 25 basis point hike that it makes uh, with, a, uh, uh, with a, its eyes very you know, much... Uh, laser focused on the housing markets. Yeah, you know, I, I was looking at, say, forecasts from economists at the start of the year, and I think a lot of people are saying that they'd expect at least two hikes, uh, you know, r- relatively early, maybe one in the first half of the year, maybe one in the second half of the year. I talked to a lot of economists now, and I, I think they're kind of pushing off when they think that uh, any sort of hikes would happen. Where do you come down on what the Bank of Canada would likely want to do further down the road with regards to any hikes to the overnight rate? Uh, now you're asking me to predict the future. I know. I, I hope you have a crystal ball. You'd be a very rich man, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I would, if I had to, if I had to bet any money on it, I would say the most likely scenario is another couple of rate hikes this year, one in the first half, one in the second half. The other factor is that the, bank, that the, the other thing the bank has to be looking at is the uh, gap between uh, its rate and the, ra- the rates uh, set by the Fed. And uh, the Fed looks like it's uh, going to be tightening perhaps more quickly. So the the spread between uh, the Canadian rates and the U.S. rates is going to be increasing. That's going to have potentially an effect on the Canadian dollar. So you'll get exchange, the Canadian dollar depreciating, which has pluses and minuses. It, it can help boost, um, say, export demand, which has been one of the weaker uh, parts of the Canadian experience in the last few years, but it can also feed directly into inflation because it increase the, increases the cost of imports, both, both of uh, final goods and also of uh, goods imported by, by firms as inputs into their production process. Well, wasn't that one of the issues that was kind of confounding, uh, maybe not necessarily the Bank of Canada, but maybe some observers, that we did see some depreciation of the Canadian dollar uh, when, when Stephen Paws uh, came in, but we didn't really see the, these gains in exports necessarily at the rate that people thought we were going to see. I, do, do we have kind of any idea about how the Bank of Canada is reacting to it or maybe what uh, their approach would want to be in this situation? Well, they've certainly been uh, predicting uh, stronger increases in exports than have actually come to pass. So I think there's been disappointment uh, about how our export sector has been performing. Um, the, 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 the explanations for this, or there are many possible explanations. I think one thing is that uh, right now firms are not really keen to invest in uh, increasing capacity for you know, export-oriented industries just because of the huge amount of uncertainty in the economy these days, uh, starting off with what's happening 
uh, with NAFTA. And, <laughs> uh, yes, I, a lot of uncertainty there. A lot of uncertainty there, yes. Yeah. Um, the that's, other... that's the main source of uncertainty. And, you know, uncertainty means that investment, you know, if you're, if you're thinking of sinking a lot of cash into expanding your productive capacity, you're going to think several times before you make that step. I, I, I'm going to probably ask you to pull out that crystal ball of yours just once more, but but bear with me because you did bring up you know how we we do have kind of disparate monetary policy right now between the Bank of Canada and the Fed, but that wasn't always the case, and uh, we used to be tied quite closely to what the uh, what, what the Federal Reserve would would do. Do you anticipate that this is going to be the way of things for many a year to come? Do you ever see Bank of Canada and, and the Fed, or at least the Bank of Canada, aligning its own monetary policy with what the Fed's doing? Um, I mean, the bank, I think, does pride itself in the fact that you know Canada does or can have an independent monetary policy because we have a flexible exchange rate vis-a-vis the U.S. dollar. Uh, but as I said, you know, you can... They they do pay attention to the gap between our interest rates and U.S. interest rates uh, and the effects that those are having. So they're you know we can have an independent monetary policy, but uh, only to a certain degree. So uh, why don't we wrap up this with this? Because I, I do want to bring it back to your report, though, with regards to Canada's demographics. I, I took you off uh, in a bit of a digression. I, I You got me uh, talking about some of my favorite stuff here, <laughs> Steve. But uh, if we bring it back to the report, though, and we look at the changing demographics here in Canada, uh, one of the things, that, and I'll just throw this at you, but what do you think uh, you know increased immigration into Canada could have? Because we do have like one of the more progressive immigration policies uh, amongst developed countries. We're bringing in high rates of immigrants. And I do wonder if that has a possibility of offsetting some of what's going on with the aging population here in Canada. Um, I think you're right. I think it has a potential to offset what's the, the effects coming from a aging population. I mean, most immigrants are, are younger, so it does change the the age pyramid of the Canadian population. In fact, it's something that my co-author Jeremy Kronick and I are are thinking of doing as an extension because uh, how interest rates affect, for a given age, say uh, if you're comparing someone who was born and raised in Canada who's 30 years old to a typical immigrant uh, just moving to Canada who's 30 years old, um, the same change in interest rates by the Bank of Canada is probably going to have different uh, different impact on on those two people or those two households right because they have different uh different savings they have different uh, a lot of people who come to canada may have family that uh, they've left behind to whom they send uh money from time to time so the uh so i think there's a potential there that you know it will it will help restore uh, monetary policy effectiveness in canada but uh it's uh, uh, to, to really answer that question adequately, we'd have to actually dig a little bit deeper and actually look at uh, not only uh, distinguish uh, uh, across different age cohorts, but within age cohorts, distinguish between uh, native-born Canadians and, and immigrants. That's what, something we're hopefully, hopefully going to do in the near future. So we may have a, a chance to talk about this again. I was going to say that. If you guys follow up on this, uh, please, let's keep in touch. I, it's something that fascinates me, as you, you can probably tell at this point. But uh, Steve, for now, I, I want to thank you for joining us on the program today. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks yeah. for asking me. 
That's Steve Ambler. He's an economics professor at the University of Quebec at Montreal. He's also the David Dodge Chair in Monetary Policy at the C.D. Howe Institute. And you're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. I'm Tyler Orton. Stay with us. We'll be back right after the break. Yeah, so if you're a total economics nerd like me, I was just totally into this conversation that we're having with Steve. I could have picked his brain for another 40 minutes, but uh, alas... I don't have that time. I, I'm sure you listeners don't as well, but a uh, great conversation with him. And I want to thank you for listening to the Business in Vancouver. Please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and give us maybe five stars if you'd be so kind. It helps other people find our show. And I should remind you that this podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. For now, thank you for listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast. 